Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Good morning once again. We're moving into a brand new series, Summer in the Psalms. And there's a song that I like around this time of summer by Ella Fitzgerald. It's summertime where the living is easy, the fish are jumping, and the cotton is high. It just kind of makes me feel like summer fired up here. And it's summertime here. We have no masks. Look around. I mean, there's a few. We've, you know, there's going to be some wearing masks, but isn't that awesome? We get to see people's faces as Alicia shared. Um, we get a chance. I'm starting to feel this just to... Ah, breathe a little bit from all that's been happening with all the protocols and different things like that. And many of you are looking forward to enjoying time in the sun and water and family and vacations. I know uh, AAA is saying this might be one of the highest times of vacations this summer uh, with all the protocols dropping. And this summer, we're going to be going through The Psalms, as I mentioned, all 150 of them. Can you imagine? No, we're not. We're not going to go through all 150 of them. But each week, what we will be doing is we're going to go through um, one psalm that each speaker will pick that's that's their favorite. And they're going to share from their heart what God has laid on their heart when it comes to the Psalms. And this is one of the most beloved books of the Bible. It's really easy to find. I mean, if you take your Bible and crack it right down the middle, maybe go a little bit to the left, you're going to hit somewhere in that 150 Psalms. And it's, it's a powerful book. It's a, it's a book that's almost like an open journal or a song. It, it draws us in, and many of you have probably read a psalm, and it just resonates with your heart. It resonates inside. Much like when we listen to a song or watch a movie, and it kind of takes us back in time or it grabs an emotion and we begin to sense some tears or or joy from what we're seeing. That's what God intended with these Psalms. Most of them are written by David, but there's a host of other writers too. Believe it or not, Moses has a Psalm and Solomon has a Psalm and Asaph and some other not as well-known characters in the Bible. But either way, what we're hoping will happen this summer is that you will open up your heart and allow God to speak to you and to draw close to you with whatever particular psalm is taking place. And one way I want to encourage you to take it a little deeper is to, after today, for instance, when we go through this first psalm, find a time alone with the Lord during the week. And take time to meditate on that psalm. Take time just to to linger. Grab a a coffee, grab a lemonade, and just prayerfully reflect through and ask God, how are you coming to me in this psalm? What is it that you want me to learn? Maybe it's a verse that he would want to personalize for you. Um, but, But allow that space through this summer and um, I know he's going to meet you in some very, very special ways. So the first psalm that we're going to start off with has been my favorite the last few months. In fact, I would call it fresh. It's not one that 
I liked 10 years ago or five years ago, but it's one that the Lord has really been stirring in me. And I first became aware of this psalm actually on a Sunday morning when uh, Pastor Gill was up here leading us towards worship. And he shared this psalm that continued to have a lot of repetition in it. And it, and it grabbed me because it kept saying the same verse over and over. And I just began asking God, um, Lord, how are you coming to me in this? Because when the Lord starts to come to us, it like grabs our attention. I'm gonna grab a, a water there, honey. You wanna hand me that? Yeah, thanks. So as I was doing this and just giving it some space, giving it some time, I met with Pastor Gill. There was a, there was a time, uh, it's almost been about a month or so ago, where my soul just started to feel tired and weak. And I just felt like my tank was getting really, really low. And as we talked, he said, life, what is it going to take to fill that up? And I, and I knew right away, get into the ocean, get into Florida. It was a trip that we had planned a little while ago, but we had to um, reschedule and shuffle some things so that we weren't able to go. And he said, I'd really like you to do that. And I am deeply grateful, Gil, for you connecting with me on that and, and giving me the space to do that. So I, we're, Gene and I were able to do that. We were able to get down to Florida and our hotel was right on the ocean. And what began to happen as I was at the ocean, right at, on our, in our hotel room, um, I was reading Psalm 136 and the Lord began connecting Psalm 136 to the waves in the ocean. And I'm like, this is incredible. God began to tie this together. Um, and this ocean, it, it was my most favorite part of the time there. And the reason why it was is because God began to come to me. And these ocean waves, you guys, were loud. So listen, I mean, Zach piped up a couple. I was mesmerized by these waves. It just kept coming and coming. And the, 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 the loudness, Zach's not gonna go super loud, but it was so loud. That's good, Zach, thanks. The waves were so loud. When I was on the balcony and Gene was in the bathroom, we could not hear he each other. It was that loud. And it just grabbed me. I was mesmerized by these waves. And I was watching them. And as this as we saw here, I began to time how frequently those waves were coming. And on average, they were coming about every four seconds. And if there was a longer, like a six, eight second pause, usually two would come. You know, so I got to count double on that. But I was just amazed how continually they came and they were powerful. They crashed in big time. And I just, it just got me. And so how did this tie together? I want to read a few verses of Psalm 136. There's 26 verses in all, but I'm just going to start with one through nine. And God began to connect with me this common rephrase in Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. 
His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Sounds repetitive, doesn't it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? And we're only going to do nine verses here. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. So this common refrain was going on in my head as I was reading Psalm 136 and then these waves. And God began to say, life, my love is coming to you like these waves. My love is faithful. It's going to keep coming and coming and coming. My love is going to endure the storms, the the hard weather like these waves. It's just going to keep coming. And it's going to almost seem forever because when you leave this hotel, when you leave this place in Florida, these waves are going to keep coming and coming and coming. And they're not going to stop. See, we had a great time in Florida. I mean, one of the favorite things that Gene and I like to do is get up right when the sun rises and, and have coffee together and watch the sunrise over the Atlantic. And that was filling to me. Being in the warm sun was filling to me. But the biggest thing that was filling to me was God was filling my soul with his love and he knew how much I needed it. And and, and it's not like he can't fill us where we are, but sometimes we got to get to a different place. I knew he was calling me there. I mean, well, I mean, who doesn't want to go to Florida, right? But there's a connection in me that God knew and he personalized that Sometimes he wants to use nature. Sometimes he wants to use things in our lives. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. Just to put an exclamation point. Like, I really want you to get this life. And I took it in. And I'm telling you, my soul levels just, just, just began to rise. Rise to overflowing before I left there. I can honestly say that. They, they got to where they needed to be. And this morning... I want to invite you into a place where God's love can come more deeply into your life, just like the waves and through Psalm 136. And receiving God's love, I shared this earlier, can be really hard for Christians. You know, like Corey Asbury shares in his song, Crashing In, he shares very vulnerably when he says, I believe in a God who loves me well, better than I can love myself. But I can't seem to make sense of grace and I feel unworthy of your love most days. Yet you welcome me in to your holy place with nothing to show, nothing to prove. The weight of the world falls off my shoulders. 
as the weight of your love comes crashing in, comes crashing in. I want to encourage you this morning to open up your heart to this deep love. See, throughout this psalm, God repeats over and over that his faithful love endures forever, like waves. It's a psalm that God's got loved baked into every single verse. And it's powerful. Just like verse one we looked at, I want to look at that again. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And this refrain, faithful love endures forever. Man, I want it to, I want it to hit us this morning. I want it to to hit us in a way maybe that it hasn't. You see, throughout this psalm, God's love comes to his people in a number of ways. Some of the ways, right here in verse one, he comes with his goodness. His love comes with his being, the God of gods, he says. That's Elohim, the the all-powerful God, the one that's in full control. And the Lord of lords is Adonai, And that means master, the one that's in charge. He comes in verse four with mighty miracles to his people. He comes through creation, as I mentioned, sharing the the heavens, the earth, the waters, the sun and the moon in verses five through nine. And then it goes on where God's love comes in delivering his people out of Egypt with power, through the Red Sea, striking down kings in verses 10 through 21. And then his love comes through provision, provision of land, provision in times of weakness, provision of food in verses 22 through 26. And I want to encourage you, all of us, to pay attention to the ways God may already be coming to you to share his love with you And maybe some of these same ways. For instance, maybe he's coming to you in his goodness. There's good things happening in your life right now that you didn't expect. Maybe he's coming to you through his character and who he is. Loving, holy, strong, or as a father. Maybe he's coming through you through miracles There's physical or emotional or spiritual healing taking place in your life. Or there's been a healing of a relationship. You know, we really believe Grace Crossing Church has an anointing of healing. Many of the people that come through the doors into our church have been hurting or wounded. And I'm not just saying like physical healing, but I'm saying emotional and spiritual. And, and God has his hand as has been touching. And, and maybe the Lord's moving in that way towards you um, in your heart. He also comes, as I mentioned, through creation and nature. You know, there's times he wants to come through animals or trees or sunshine or sunsets or waves. In fact, just as I was coming here, one of the ways God kind of reminds me of his presence is through the cardinal. You know, and a, a cardinal came and flew right by my car, right by the tree, just as I was getting ready to go. And it was just like kind of a wink from the Lord, like, I'm here, I'm with you. He can also come 
by delivering us from things, delivering us from enemies, delivering us from conflict. Maybe he's delivering you from a fear or a trouble. And then his love can come by providing for us in ways not expected, whether it's food, something for your home, finances, a job, a car, or just a peace of mind that he's providing you. And then interestingly, God can come with his love through suffering. And this is a head tilt for us as believers. But in this life, we know as Christians, we will go through suffering. And he wants us to experience his enduring love amidst the pain. Pain and suffering have the potential to push us away from God's love or to draw us closer to God's love. And he wants to get the glory even in our suffering. So the big idea this morning is this. Open up your souls to the ways he is revealing his love to you. And it will be unique to you. Just because he came through waves or a cardinal or whatever, that doesn't mean he'll come to you that way. It's gonna be very personal and very practical to what you need in the ways that he'll come. So I just wanna pause and pray again and ask God to, again, come in to those places in our hearts and fill him with our love and that we'll become aware when it's happening. So just pause with me and, and bow and let me pray. Father, again, I wanna, I wanna pray because I know how hard it is to let that love in. I know it comes like a wave and, and it needs to come that way because we resist it. And so I pray for all of us to just say, yes, Lord. Say that with me. Yes, Lord, to allowing your love to come in. Yes, Lord, we open up our arms and our souls and our hearts to you to let your love in here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanna encourage you to let God's love into your heart in, in three, three different ways, three aspects of his love. And it's, it's coming right from the refrain in, in Psalm 136. His faithful love endures forever. And the first aspect that I want you to open up your heart to is that his love is faithful. His love is faithful. The, the Passion Translation says it's tenderhearted. His love is, is, is merciful in the King James. His, it's, it's spoken of here as loving kindness in the New American Standard Bible. And this word in the Hebrew is, is hesed. You know, or I'll get my chesed, you know, as they say. You, know, you gotta get a little growl going there. But it's a covenant love. It's a loyal love. It's a steadfast love. As promised to David, in Psalm 89, 28. Let's look at that. God says to David, I will love him and be kind to him forever. My covenant with him will never end. Let's push pause on that a moment. We're talking David, 
okay? Remember adultery with Bathsheba, David? Remember murder, David? Remember family, extreme family dysfunction, David? Remember attempted murder on David's life, running for his life twice from Saul and then his son Absalom. Lots of suffering, lots of pain going on in David's life. What an incredible promise God extends to David. And we are the recipients of that faithful love. And then in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, a familiar one, the faithful love of the Lord, it never ends. His mercies, they they never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. This morning, the sunrise, fresh, fresh mercy, Fresh mercy for all of us. Every morning it's coming. That's echoed in Psalm 136, 8 that displays God's love in the sunrise as I shared earlier. It's faithful like the waves that I've talked about. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. And he wants us to experience his love as faithful. But sometimes that faithful love gets Locked. There's an obstacle. And oftentimes linked with that obstacle is fear. We get scared. That happened to me back when Gene and I were dating. I was one of those guys that had a fear of commitment. And I know all of you are saying, oh, gee, I hate those guys, you know or women if they struggle with the same thing. That was me. Man, I battled. And I had no clue at that age, in my early 20s, what was going on inside. I was thoroughly confused. But Jean at the time, she was getting really angry after like the first two or three breakups, you know. I'm like, I gotta break up. And so much so, she said, life, I'm drawing a line. You're either with me or not. But I want you committed one way or the other. I want you committed to me or I want you committed to move on. And I knew she was right. And so we gave our relationship at that time a break. One week. Spent time with friends spend time with God, fasted, like, God, I don't know what's going on. But the Lord began to speak. And he said, life, I didn't even know at the time I was afraid. He said, life, you're scared. You're scared that you're going to be like your dad. And my dad wasn't the best model uh, when it came to marriage and, and being a husband. And I was also scared that I wouldn't be able to do it because I hadn't seen it. So even I was even more scared inside, like, I, 
I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what. And I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm scared I'm going to mess this up. I, I was scared of the pain because I saw pain in divorce when I was, when I was younger. I didn't want to pass that on to Gene. And I thought, that's what's going to happen, you know. But I forgot one thing. God's faithful love. God's faithful love had entered in my life. I'd been a believer for, for quite a few years. And he reminded me and he said, life, you're not your dad and you're not even just about you. But my faithful love has entered into your life. And he had a conversation with me. Not audible, but just in my head. And he was like, Life, as you look back from the time you invited me into your life, as you've looked back from now to that point, have I been faithful? I said, without question. Impeccable, 100%. My, 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 my trust in God was strong. He said, well, here's what I want you to do. You don't know about this commitment thing. You don't know the future and what's gonna happen. And this fear in front of you, it's a massive wall that you can't even see the top. But you say that you trust my faithful love. I want you to take my hand and we're going to take a jump. Will you trust me to take my hand and take this jump? I said, yes. And he said, we're going to take a jump and we're going to land. And you don't know where that is, but will you trust me when you get to that other side? I said, yes, I've trusted you this far. I'm going to trust you. So I took his hand and I jumped. And part of the result of that jump was going to Gene and saying, getting a little emotional here about it, because this was a massive fear, you guys. I said, the buck stops here. I'm not letting fear, I'm not letting my background, I'm not letting anything get in the way of my marriage hopefully a family, you know, that, that was another fear that I had. And God met me there, you guys. And here we are. Today is our 34th wedding anniversary. Today. And let me tell you that it hasn't been an easy road. It wasn't like I jumped and you know, I was with God and Gene and everybody lived happily ever after kind of a thing. It was a lot of hard work, working through our stuff, mentors, counselors, disciplers, books. I mean, we, I was passionate about it because if I said, I'm going to, the buck stops here, I got to figure out how to do this thing in a different way. And God has been so faithful meeting us. And I want to ask you this morning, are you struggling with fear? Is fear blocking his faithful love coming to you first and then blocking you to extend it in other ways? Much like I, I struggled with Gene in this relationship. And the other question is, is are you open to allow his faithful love to come into that fear? See, he's coming to you. And he's going to keep coming to you, but, but God doesn't force it. 
He'll stir us, but he doesn't force us because he wants that free will peace. He wants us to move towards the water. You see, even with waves, we can stay away from the ocean. We can stay in our balcony. We can, but he wants us to come down where his love is, where his love meets us with this faithful love being talked about here in Psalm 136. I pray that you can open up your heart in those places of fear. And it's a process. I'm not saying it's gonna go away just like that, but be, let his love come because his love will calm that fear. We know that perfect love from him casts out fear. Those two can't exist. It's like oil and water. The next aspect of his love that he wants us to open our hearts up here this morning is that his love is enduring. His faithful love endures. And this word endure means to keep going, to remain steadfast, especially during difficult times, without weakening and even and suffering. See, God gets bigger as we, or excuse me, God gets bigger as our strength in ourselves gets smaller. And instead of God shaming us, making us feel bad about ourselves, some of you like me, it comes kind of easy, you know, just to get down on ourselves. Um, he comes... He comes with love. He doesn't criticize. In fact, he draws close to the weakness. And much like we learned last week, as Pastor Gill shared about the, the state of the church and where we are and sensing we're in a place of weakness, he spoke of Paul. Paul, who had the thorn in the flesh, not only talked about his weakness, we learned in 2 Corinthians, but he boasted about it. He boasts about, why would we boast about a weakness? It's certainly not to look good in front of people, but he boasted about his weakness because he wanted everyone to know God is the one that should get the credit. God will get the glory if anything comes about from me in this weak state. Well, this same weakness theme shows up in Psalm 136. And it grabbed me because at a time I was praying for our church. I was recognizing um, God was kind of speaking to me about some of this, this weakness area. And right there in Psalm 136, 23, he says this. He remembered us, God's people, the Israelites. He remembered us in our weakness. And then, boom, his faithful love endures forever. Love getting baked in to when we are most weak, right into our weaknesses. That's how he met the Israelites. That's how he came to them. I love... Um, I love this aspect that our weakness plus, plus God's greatness and strength equals worship, that God gets the glory for that. 
This, this other aspect of weakness is translated when we are down or, or when we feel like nothing, that's when he can come and meet us. And this equation that I shared about our weakness plus God's greatness, that's the equation that sets up for a miracle. And we see this over and over in scripture, especially with the Israelites, especially as they move from Egypt to the promised land. It's a prime time. And, and much like with, with Grace Crossing Church where we are right now, we talked about the weakness with finances and volunteers and imagine and, and a building decision and staffing and, and different things that are going on. We offer that to him, knowing that he's gonna move into that place, much like he did with the Israelites. See, the Israelites back in Exodus 14 was, was in one of the weakest places that they've been in. See, God ordered the Israelites to camp near the sea and Pharaoh saw that as a prime opportunity. They're trapped. I'm gonna get these guys. And he came with full force, his full army after, after them. But as we shall see here, as we look at Exodus 14, 10 through 12, that before a miracle, panic and fear and doubt and chaos precedes it. And a lot more. I'm gonna unpack that a little bit. Let's look at Exodus 14, 10 through 12. It says, as Pharaoh and his army approached the people of Israel, or approached, the people of Israel could see them in the distance. Can you imagine? Marching towards them, the people began to panic and they cried out to the Lord for help. Then they turned against Moses and complained. Why did you bring us out here? To die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? Our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. Can you sense it? Can you feel it? Can you put yourself there? Listen to them. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Right away, worst case scenario, worst motive that they had for motive, for, for, for Moses' motive. And then weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Sarcasm. Sarcasm comes into these places where there's fear. Why did you make us leave? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we're still in, the, in Egypt? Blame upon blame upon blame. And then our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. In other words, we were way better off without you. Kaboom. That's the last one. We don't need you, Moses. We don't need God. We want to go back. That's the final dagger to Moses and to God. You see, fear, it's a liar. And it distracts, it disrupts, it derails from God's plan really quick. It gets us away. I want to take a step back. How did you feel last Sunday when Pastor Gill shared our State of the Church address? 
And you can still watch it. If some of you weren't able to, you can uh, watch it on our um, website. Zach put that up for us. But, but how did it make you feel? Did any fear enter in? Did any doubt come in? Did you get worst case at all? We've got to be emotionally honest when we're in places of weakness. Because if we get going down the road here of the Israelites, that will turn on us and it will bring chaos right in here in the church. And that's why we need his love. We need his enduring love. Let's take a look at Exodus 14, 13 through 14, just to see what what takes place here. But Moses told the people, he didn't lash out at them. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians that you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. You won't have to lift a finger in your defense. Incredible. Incredible. Moses stays calm. He stays connected to God and stays the course, even though all around him is chaos. And he assures them of God's presence and God's protection. Now think of that for a moment. Think about the Israelites. First of all, where they were before that, and now they're getting promised that they're going to get rescued. So my hunch is, there's probably a lot of sarcasm and doubt that flowed into that one. Probably internally, we don't see it written out. And then I also think about the Israelites Ah, yes, slaveries to work 24-7. Workaholics, the classic. They're told they're not going to lift a finger. I'm sure they're thinking, we got to do something. You know, know. but God says, "Mm -mm. you don't need to even lift a finger here. See, God was working a whole new paradigm with them. And it included his enduring love that stayed with them even when they weren't staying with God. He wanted them to trust him. And there's a time to rest. And there's a time to work. And there's a time to not lift a finger. And then there's a time to get moving. And that's what happens next. Let's look at Exodus 14, 15 through 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Use your shepherd's staff, hold it out over the water, and a path will open up before you through the sea. Then all the people of Israel will walk through on dry ground. Powerful. Powerful. Our weakness plus God's greatness, God gets the glory. But often in weakness, we start to feel trapped like the Israelites. And when we feel trapped, our hope diminishes and we feel alone and fear begins to settle in even more. Well, I want to encourage us as a church this morning to um, bring before us just this weak, vulnerable area as a church. Um, it's, uh, it's something where we've been here before. Uh, grace, uh, God has shown grace crossing that he can move in um, into our weakness. And he, he did it in the early parts 
Uh, when Grace Crossing was just a fledgling church. The, the circumstances around it was the church was in a weak place, much like we're feeling now, maybe even more weak. And it was needing God's strength. And through a church conference, God intervened and breathed new life into Grace Crossing Church. His grace and enduring love poured into that weak place in the church like gold. And at that conference, God used a powerful passage to jolt hope back in to GCC. And it was one of the verses that I shared, Exodus 13, or excuse me, 14, 13 through 14, which was, but Moses told his people, don't be afraid, just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you and you won't have to lift a finger. That's where we are. And that's not the end of the story, you guys. Let's take a look at Exodus 14, 15 through 16. This whole idea of, there we go. This, yet I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will follow the Israelites into the sea. Then I will receive great glory at the expense of Pharaoh and his armies, chariots and charioteers. When I am finished with Pharaoh and his army, all Egypt will know that I am the Lord. That's where the glory comes in. That's where we are. We're in a weak place, but he's gonna get the glory. We don't know how exactly but we're trusting him to move into this place, to move into this weak place just in our history. And we're trusting that this will be a testimony, a testimony before the Lord, just like that other story was in the past. And there's a number of stories, you guys, in our history. And we'll have to start sharing some of those more so that you can get a sense of God's enduring love for Grace Crossing Church because he loves this church and he wants to strengthen us especially when we're weak. He sees us, as I shared before, in our weakness. I just want to pause and pray for us as a church right now. Father, you see us, you know us. You know the history. You know where we were in the early days. And now here we are, Lord. And I pray that your grace, that your enduring love would pour into that weak area. Lord, you relish weakness because that's where you become so strong. Pour in your love like gold so that it'll shine and give glory only to you, not to us, but just to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The last aspect of love that God desires us to open our hearts to is that his faithful love endures forever. It's a forever love. That word means everlasting, never quits, never gives up. It continues on and on, much like the worship song we sang at the beginning. Think about it. What in your life lasts forever? Some might say infinity, uh, gravity, maybe a lifetime warranty, marriage, a good marriage, family, creation. But if we're honest, things wear out and rust out and relationships will come to an end, at least in this life. 
But God says that his love will go on forever, much like gravity, but maybe one day that will go too. His love in 1 Corinthians 13, 7 through 8, emphasizes this. It says that his love never gives up, it never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. His love will last forever. And that forever doesn't mean here. That forever moves us out of this present world into our forever home. And we need to remember who we are in the temporariness of this life. We need to remember that this is not our home, as it says in 1 Peter 2.11. Dear brothers and sisters, here in this place, you are foreigners and aliens. And I remember that. I remember what it, meant, or what it felt like to be a foreigner and an alien in Kazakhstan for two years. Different culture, different language. Everything was just different. And I had that feeling. That's, that helps me. That, that helps me to pull to, like, I need to feel that here. Um, unlike what the message says in verses 11 through 12, this is the message translation for this first Peter passage. It says, the world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense to your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they will be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. And what a celebration that'll be. Let's look at Revelation 21.3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will remove all their sorrows and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the world and its evil are gone forever. What an incredible thought that the evil will be gone forever, that God's love will be with us forever. You know, it's interesting, the older I get, life seems to, to get faster. It, you know, just, it seemed like just yesterday, I was back in college, and then whoosh, 34 years later, you know, I've been married. Or my oldest grandson is six now. I mean, I'm just, I remember holding the little guy. And then I just think of Grace Crossing Church has been around here for almost 23 years and how quickly that all goes. There's a song entitled Hallways that depicts this. It says, when I've forgotten this is not the destination, remind my soul to start recalling this is just a hallway on my way home. I mean, just a hallway. Think about the hallways in your life from the schools that you've been in or your homes and churches and job places. They just transition you into a classroom or into another room, and, but they're not a final destination. That's still coming. And that home will be a forever home for us. 
and we will have our deepest sigh of relief and joy when we hear from the heavenly father, welcome home. (sighs) I can't wait. His faithful love endures forever. As we close our service, I want to encourage you to do two things. I want you to do what I shared at the beginning. Uh, Take Psalm 136, find a time where you can get alone with God this week and take some time to meditate and just prayfully think over how he wants to come to you with his love. And then thank him when he does that. And then I want to pray for those of you that may be struggling to open up your heart to God's love in some way. Um, Maybe you're struggling with trust. Um, Maybe you're just struggling um, for God to help you. Like you you can't even get there. Like it's just so hard for you right now. So bow your heads and and I just want to pray for for you if you're struggling in, in any of those areas. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much um, for the ways that you meet us with your love. And I know there's some here that, that may be struggling to trust you um, with, with your love. They may need help. Um, and I pray that you would come alongside of them. I pray that you would allow them to uh, lower the walls um, of their heart towards you and your faithful love, Lord God. Bring healing into those places, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.